investment. Brought to you by Impact Alpha. Live on tape from Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment. I'm Brian Walsh, head of Impact for LiquidNet, the progressive financial services company. Impact Alpha recently reported on Bill Gates' personal investment into Capria Accelerator, which itself invests in and trains new fund managers. These impact-minded managers source early-stage companies which are proving out their business models to serve low-income customers in the developing world. Capria Accelerator offers an approach towards bridging what's been called the pioneer gap in impact investing. That's the shortage of capital available for companies that have an established product and are starting to generate revenues but need access to additional capital to expand their operations or grow geographically. Without such early capital, these companies won't grow, leading to a lack of later stage deals where angel or venture capital investors feel more comfortable. Now, there are plenty of other efforts underway to bridge this pioneering gap. David Bank, the editor of Impact Alpha, recently sat down with Kathy Clark, director of the Case I-3, that's the Initiative on Impact Investing at Duke University, to discuss this. Let's listen into their conversation. talking about this question which I always it always rubs me the wrong way when people say oh there's too much money in impact investing and not enough investable deals and then you go out in a place like SoCap here and you talk to these entrepreneurs and none of them think there's too much money in impact investing and they all think they're investable so there's some kind of disconnect what is going on indeed there is a disconnect and I think it's a disconnect at a bunch of different levels um, We've been looking at this, of course, from our own perspective. We're a, a center at a university that's been studying and promoting the idea of social entrepreneurship for over a decade. Um, and we've been really interested in what are the capital markets that are supporting social entrepreneurs. And I've actually been in rooms where exactly the economy that you've talked about, where one person, on the, a bunch of investors on one side of the room said, we can't find any investable deals. And a bunch of entrepreneurs on the other side of the room going, we're right here. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and you know, what is the nature of that disconnect? So I think there's a bunch. One is, you know, people have said, well, there's um, capital is not generic, right? Capital is attached to geography, vehicle, sometimes even impact objectives, and that the intersections between those two things are all those different things, it turns out are actually hard to find matches, and that is true. Um, the other thing that people have pointed out is people invest by stage, um, and that, that you know, when you look at the research that Jim has put out, many more impact investors and regular investors are looking for later stage deals, right? right. So the, there is a pioneer gap, um, which Monitor and others have talked about, which is, you know, is there actually a scarcity of capital that is looking for um, and ready to invest in early stage deals? And we think that is true. I think the handoffs between early stage investors are still extremely hard to predict and connect. Right. Yeah. Let, me, let me just uh, stop for a second to clarify. So the pioneer gap, I think, refers to not necessarily the first money, which you might get from friends and family or, or, or a small seed grant or even a gr literal grant or something, but it's, the, it's getting from, from that stage where you have a kind of idea to being able to put it into practice, get, it, get some first customers. Where is the pioneer gap? Totally right. So the, the framework that, that we like and that we work with our entrepreneurs around is the Blueprint to Scale framework that Monitor put out. So the first stage is Blueprint 
where you're getting money to kind of see if there's a business there, to see if your product is viable, to see if customers might like it, to see if you have to change it. And you can usually get some very unrestricted friends and family or grant capital to start to do that because there's no expectation that you have to pay that back because no one thinks you have anything that's going to allow to pay them back yet. What's actually tricky is the next stage um, where you're in the validate stage, um, which is the second uh, in that flat platform. And the validate stage is where you're starting to have customers pay you, but you're trying to figure out on what basis will they pay, how much does it cost me to, to actually provide this product or service to them, but you don't know if you have a unit model that can actually repeat with a regular margin. Right? right. So until you have that margin that an investor can look at and say, I can imagine 12,000 of those, you are not really going to be looked at as investable. Right. You are very, very risky. And so the pioneer gap is usually when you need about 500,000 to two or three million to actually show that you have a replicable unit. And that unit can be um, at all different levels. Right. So something somebody like, um, you know, Husk Power, that unit is a power plant. For someone who's running a maternity clinic, it might be the clinic itself, which could be, both of those could be very expensive and actually require you two or three million dollars to prove that one of those units is profitable. You could also be selling solar suitcases and, uh, for, to help maternal health and that could be a much smaller unit. So the, you know, the, the, the amount of capital that you need is going to depend on your business, but the, the trouble is it's very risky. You want to get a, you want a unit cost means that you're not going to lose money on every deal. Well, it's so that you have. You don't want to scale up if you you're going to lose money exactly. on every deal. You want to have a little bit of, yeah. of, of margin or extra money that comes in every time you sell one of those units, and that's kind of the basics of how business people think. Okay, so the so so that stops a lot of good ideas in their track, not because they couldn't get there, but because nobody's willing to take the risk at that point. Right, because a debt or an equity investor is trained in their mind to figure out whether you have a unit model that they believe in. A debt investor is going to be more concerned about whether that margin is actually producing cash and you can afford to pay them back. An equity investor is going to be more concerned about whether you can do lots of that unit over time and it's going to grow to the point where when they get their money out, it's going to be at a very high multiple. So there's different frames. What we found in working with social entrepreneurs, and we've spent the last three years working with global health entrepreneurs in East Africa and India through a program that we run called the Social Entrepreneurship Accelerator at Duke, which is a partnership with USAID. Um, what we found is that entrepreneurs generally understand that they have to get through these phases, but they are not always instantly adept at communicating with those investors about exactly where they are in the process. And what we see is that, that you know, it's a different skill to run a business than it is to communicate with an investor. Well, this is kind of good news, right? Because if it was structural problem. <laughs> problem, then you'd have to, but if it's a communications problem and you can help these entrepreneurs with some you know, consulting, mentoring, technical assistance, and that's what, that's what we've been doing. So this has been our big hypothesis, right? Which is, can we go in and the structural problem also exists, right? There's not a series of endless number of investors who are looking at global health deals in, in Nairobi, for example. But for the few that, that are, 
We are there to say, what is the way that we can help you build that relationship? First of all, identify the investors that are right for you so you're not spinning your wheels and wasting your time. We have a lot of entrepreneurs, and I think this is very common, who are just trying to talk to every investor they can find on the planet and hoping that something will stick. And we've talked to a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs about who have done this fairly efficiently, and they're like, no, 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 you need a hit list, and you need to actually work through your criteria so that you have knockout criteria and you get rid of the people that are not going to end up funding you really fast, right? right? So we have some of that. Then we have, um, you know, what does it take to introduce yourself to an investor and then become trusted by that investor? And what we find is in developing markets, um, when people have depended on grant funding for their first blueprint stage, there is a transition that needs to occur to thinking about how you communicate with an investor that's very different from how you communicate with a grant maker. So they're used to writing the report that kept their grant maker happy and that's exactly what's going to turn off the commercial investor. And not only that, but you have to make sure that you're using that grant funding to actually answer the questions that the investor needs to have answered, which might be different from what the grant funder wanted you to answer. So if you've gotten a grant from USAID, and USAID very much cares about your impact, they're gonna give you a grant to, to blueprint your business, but they're gonna ask you for data about your impact. The investor is less interested in that data than they are in your unit model and whether you're gonna have a business that's investable. But part of this game for the, for the entrepreneur is to use the last slug of capital to answer the questions that the next, next slug needs to see. Director of the Case Initiative on Impact Investing at Duke University. For the past three years, Case I3 has worked with social entrepreneurs to help them avoid the pioneer gap. Now they're taking the lessons learned and turning them into a set of online tools. For more, head to sites.duke.edu slash case I3. That's letter I and the number three. And that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thanks to David Bank for that great interview. For the whole story of Bill Gates' investment in Capria Accelerator Fund, head over to impactalpha.com. That's where you'll find more information on the impact investing marketplace. Be sure to follow us at Impact Alpha on Twitter. And send us an email with comments or suggestions to info at impactalpha.com. If you like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, or wherever you listen to the podcast these days. And don't forget to give us a rating. It really does help other people discover us. Thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been Returns on Investment.